In the following live session recording, Barry Thompson, pastor of prayer, care, and adult 65 and over, Midway Church in Villarica, Georgia, talks about connecting through fellowship. To connect unconnected people through Bible study, we focus on people's desire for relationships and how to help them get involved with ministry. Connecting through fellowship is possible when churches develop ways for helping people live together as God's family through small groups. Let's join Barry now. Someone yesterday said, how'd you get to do all that? So that way you start young and you do it till you're old. And, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of the way it is. And uh, I've drawn every paycheck I've ever drawn from a church. I started at 19 as a summer youth minister. Back then, churches would hire you for 10 weeks. If you were a college student, work with their teenagers. I started at Clarksville Baptist Church after my freshman year in college. And the pastor said, no, Barry, I got cute girls in this church, and you're not to date any of them. I went, oh, yes, sir, no problem. I'm not. I'm just here to work with the youth for 10 weeks. I have no interest at all. I'm, I'm on college bound. I'm having to put my way through. I got to work a lot, so no, no problem. Started on Monday. Wednesday, he had me do the church midweek Bible study. I spoke on James. Afterwards, this cute green-eyed girl came up and said, hi, my name's Kay. <laughs> We've been married 46 years. <laughs> But I did not date her that summer. Amen. I was afraid of, afraid of Preacher Boone, so I didn't. But her family did feed me a lot uh, during the summer. And I waited till the day after our 10th week when I was no longer on staff, and I asked her out. I thought I'd impress her. Clarksville's up in Habersham County, not far from Tallulah Gorge. A movie had just come out starring Burt Reynolds that was shot at Tallulah Gorge. I'll, I'll impress her. I'll take her to this movie. It was Deliverance. That's a horrible movie. <laughs> Uh, I'm sitting there going, oh, no, what have I done? Uh, and uh, I, I didn't have the courage to stand up more. I didn't know what to do. But she was gracious enough to give me another chance. But banjo music makes me nervous to this day. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got two grown children. Uh, Micah, uh, my son, is 38. His wife, Courtney, is 37. They're great. Uh, they're high adventure people. They got married nine years ago. Flew to Maine and hiked the entire Appalachian Trail for a six and a half month honeymoon. He said, Dad, doesn't that sound romantic? I'm like, no. <laughs> One shower a week, sweaty, stinky. No, sounds adventurous, but not romantic, son. But I uh, said, if y'all survive that, you didn't handle anything. And they have. So when they finished, they said, told me they were moving to Manure Beach, Florida. Michael said, two years, Dad. Two years I'm going to be down there because we want to witness to Courtney's dad and stepmom, who are not believers. And so uh, she's got a job teaching school. I'm going to do something. His degree was commercial real estate, but that was 2010 with a useless degree in real estate with our economy back then. And uh, he said, uh, but we really feel we can make an impact. I went, okay. He said, but I'll be back in Atlanta. Atlanta's where I'm going to make my living, Dad. Sure. He'll never come back to Atlanta. Uh, they have become Floridians. Uh, he owns three businesses down there, all have to do with the water. Guffin Bay Divers, they, he's got 28 divers, and they do all kind of repair under boats for yachts and sailboats and stuff as scuba divers. And he's got one that builds docks and one that repairs docks. And, you know, that's what they do. And they like to sail and all that, and they're involved in a church plant down there called Adoration Church. My daughter, she's the one that gave me my, my grandson. He's two, two years old. So she's my favorite child right now because <laughs> I was pointing that out to my son recently. Carmen's the favorite. She gave me a grandchild. Uh, he said, well, we're working on it, Dad. I said, well, we're working on it harder. Uh, but, uh, and she, and, uh, she lives in Gwinnett County in the Hamilton Mill area. And she's a commercial interior design salesperson and she's the one in our family that makes lots of money. And uh, 
so uh, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of both of them. Uh, they've, they've done well. We were blessed uh, with our our children. So I just kind of like for people to know a little bit about who I am, where I'm coming from. Did your sons and laws ever come to Christ? No, but they're, they do attend church. And, and there's a neat story there. They'd been there about a year and a half, and we were down visiting, and they wanted to have us over. And uh, uh, his father-in-law is a former five-star chef, and now he runs a wine bar in, in St. Petersburg. So he's, he's really a foodie. He will not let a microwave be in his house. So, <laughs> uh, you're weird. I love a microwave. but you know. So we got there, and we all sat down to dinner, and he said, Hey, Barry. What's that gracie thing y'all do at times? Gracie thing. Would you do that gracie thing? Gracie thing. Gracie thing. I mean, he, he, is, he is very lost. And I went, I would be honored. So I prayed. I looked up. My daughter-in-law's got these tears going down her cheeks. And uh, So when we got in the car, she said, oh, my dad has always made fun of Christians, especially ministers. And here, she said, I know it doesn't seem like it, but that was high respect. I said, well, it's not something I did. It's the life you and Mike are living in front of him. So they are, they've got him going on a mission trip this fall with a ministry called 410 Bridge. And that ought to be mission trip. Well, she, uh, the mother-in-law, is a uh, uh, OBGYN, and they're going to Kenya on a mission trip. Kind of hard to go to a place like that and not get saved, I think. So we're praying about that. Uh, my wife, Kay, is a counselor. She says, be married to me, drove her into counseling. Uh, so uh, she went and got her degrees, and she counsels people, and she's a, a wonderful lady, and we've got a great marriage. Uh, family's been through ups and downs, hard things. My daughter with a grandson, loving. Oh, he is so good. She went through an ugly divorce. Found out just before she finished maternity leave, her scumbag, trash dog husband. I don't have any bitterness here. Uh, was that uh, was? Speak out. That's right. Was having an affair. I almost started a prison ministry. <laughs> pastor I worked with said, "Barry, if they arrest you, I'll make bail." No pastor's ever offered to make bail for me before. I thought that's pretty good. <laughs> so we we understand what it's like to go through struggles. Uh, just been through a hard one with my mom. We did a four-year journey through Alzheimer's in the last year and a half. I'll be honest with you, it's just been hell. When your mom asks you for to bring a gun or give her a drug overdose. And then in January, when she can't remember your name anymore. But, uh, I'm sorry. Still tender because I just buried her last Saturday. We killed her that. So. Wouldn't have her back for nothing in that shape. Alzheimer's is an evil, evil thing. My brother and I uh, joked and said, well, we hope when she stood before Jesus, she worshipped him and didn't scold him for making her wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, I just want you to know, I'm a family like your family and others, you know, well, I got good and bad. And it fits in with what we're talking about because we're talking about connecting through fellowship. Is that right? I am on the right thing. I've got four different topics. I just want to make sure I got the right notes. Do I have to go to the box and pull out the other notes there? But in fellowship, we've got to be real. Yes. If you were in that service just now and you heard the keynote speaker, Dr. Duke, I mean, that was powerful. I thought, wow, it's the first time I've ever heard a seminary president not try and give you a theological message. And it touched hearts. He was good. I was so excited because uh, I really did not know him, had never heard him speak until today. But I was so moved. I could relate with a lot of that. I, I, I didn't get into the drugs, but I grew up with a, an abusive alcoholic dad uh, who I removed his front teeth when I was 12 because he was trying to kill me and my mother, and I hit him in mouth with a two before um, where there were guns and shots and all that kind of stuff so uh, I didn't know Jesus growing up 
a cute girl invited me when I was 13 to church. And that's the only reason I went. Uh, but there were three men there that loved on Huh? It works. It works. I went. But there were three men there that loved on students. And they connected with me. I remember when, when Archie, first time I was there, put his hand on my shoulder and said, Good to have you. It felt like electricity went through my body. Because I had such a negative relationship with my dad. And here was a man who affirmed. That's felt, that is connecting. You've got people coming to your church and they are hurting. They may smile, but they're hurting. And they need connecting. They need to be connected with perhaps more than they need to be taught God's Word. you got to connect first. Look, Jesus, all the stories he connected with people. He went to people's homes. He went to Zacchaeus and said, I'm going to your house, so go get a meal ready. That's Barry's translation of that. But uh, he said, we're, we're going to your home. We're going to eat. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector and a corrupt one. He could have run for American politics. <laughs> you got to laugh at some of the stuff that goes on in our country. I mean, you know, I, I think surely God laughs at some of the things we, we're doing. And I think sometimes he laughs and sometimes his heart breaks over some of the things we're doing in his church. But hurting people are coming and you want to connect with them. Now, sometimes when we think of fellowship, we think, oh, parties and fun. And all. Well, connecting is more than that. Connecting is where people are. So, I've got a lengthy handout. See if you would help get these out to everybody. Uh, because you can take some notes on the side, but I, I had so much I wanted to give you with this, I decided I'd just print up my whole notes. So, I'm not going to highlight it all. I'm not going to talk at all. I'm going to highlight it as we kind of walk through these things. Because I want you to really go home and work on how you connect with people. All right? Uh, number one, the top. Churches have fellowships. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's not there. <laughs> it's coming back. Do we need more? It's thick, yeah. I, I've got more of them if, if we run out. Okay. okay. Now, you want to reach unchurched people, you got to pay attention to the second line on this page. Okay? All right. But I got more. Do we have more? Okay. One sure it's so thick. Okay. Second line says churches have fellowships, but the unchurched go to parties. Unchurched don't know what a fellowship is. You try to reach an unchurched person, hey, why don't you come to a fellowship? And what's that? It's like some kind of theological experience. You don't speak in tongues and light candles or what what what's a fellowship? It's not a term the unchurched world uses for connecting with people. Churches had Sunday night socials and ice cream socials and stuff like that. Well, unchurch world doesn't know what those are. They know what parties are. Oh, parties! Yeah, now be careful. When you invite them to a party, they and you, you say, bring something. Except what they bring. You know? I've had parties where people brought beer. Well, oh, that was a little surprising. Didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, and you don't say, oh, you can't bring that mask. I say, oh, well, okay, let's just sit there. Okay, come on. And while they're not looking, I kind of shove it in the back from everything. But uh, so I learned from that. I need to maybe, if I'm telling people to come, I said, what would you like to bring? And if they say, oh, we've got plenty of drinks. How about something else? <laughs> but see, the unchurch world thinks that's a nice social thing. It's like a, a, a couple in the church that asked me to come and pray over the dedication of their building. 
new business they were doing. And I thought, okay, I'd be glad to. They had a little ribbon cutting at the door, and they had the local Fayette County paper there, and they were going to do this. And so I do the prayer, and then the lady, Mary, who was from uh, uh, West Africa originally, and uh, she said, oh, oh, Mr. Photographer, get a picture. I want a picture of me giving Pastor Barry his bottle of champagne. <laughs> okay, I've never been given a bottle of champagne before. Photographer took it, came up later and said, that one won't develop, Pastor. I'm going good. <laughs> going to be a little, I, I didn't, I could just see all the conversations going on throughout the county. But when we're trying to reach the unchurched people, they bring stuff. But if you talk about a party, that, that sounds like fun. Fellowship, they don't know what that is. So if you want to make your connecting to unchurched people, you got to use words they understand. And you can't be offended if they come and do weird things. Because in their world, it's, it's natural. So you have to think about that. All right. James 3.18, and here I've chosen the, the message as the particular translation just because I like the wording of it better for, for this topic. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives that lives right with God, with God, and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. You want to build a ministry of connecting through fellowships. This is a key verse. No matter what translations you use, I just happen to like this one the way it's it's, it's for this topic here. But we got to treat one another with dignity and with honor. That means we have to respect the unchurched world when they come in doing different things. I was a part of starting a church one time. Uh, when I was the executive pastor at New Hope, we decided to start a church called Green Tree. And we started in a catfish restaurant in Tyrone. It was closed on Sundays and Mondays. And we'd get there early Monday and move all the tables around. We, we got going. And in and, uh, nine months, we were 120 people. Uh, and I, I baptized 20 of them. Now, I was trying to do that while still being the executive pastor at New Hope because Ike Rocker got me to drink the Kool-Aid, my wife said, and tried to do two jobs at once I shouldn't have done. But uh, it, it, was, it was what I knew God wanted me for that season. But I remember one morning I'm speaking, and all of a sudden I hear, hear this, and I see the smoke going up. And I realize, some guy's just lit a cigarette right in the middle of my sermon. And it threw me for a moment. He came up later and said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sitting in the smoking section. <laughs> now, that was a ways back when you could smoke in a restaurant. <clears throat> and uh, he said, but my, my wife almost broke my ribs. She elbowed me so hard. He said, but I was really into what you were saying. I went, well, good. See, so when you're reaching unchurched people, they will bring unchurched things to your parties or to your church. And if your church is one where someone comes in, they look different, act different, and they got this, you're, tr- you're in trouble. The, the people that think they're supposed to be at the door and snob everybody, you got to find another job for them. Yes. In the back of the church somewhere where nobody will see those people because they will run people off. I don't know what they think their spiritual gift is, but it's not greedy. Okay? <laughs> you got to have happy people up front and welcoming people wherever they are. I don't care if they got a Paul cap, tattoos, whatever. You take them where they are. Okay. The big idea here is cultivating community takes frequency. You can't just have an event for the year and think, oh, we've done community fellowship outreach. No, 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 no. You've got to do ongoing things. You say, wow, our community is so big. Don't reach the whole community. Churches get to think, we want to reach everybody in a five-mile area. Well, number one, you're not. So get over it. They're not all going to come to your church. What you do is don't say, we're going to reach this area we're going to reach Tom. 
and Lawanda, Virgil and Terry. You identify unchurched people. And you plan fellowship for them. My wife is a marvelous leader of adult groups, co-ed groups. And she understands this concept well. So they had a party. And uh, one girl had started coming. And she said, uh, I really like this. My little girl starting fourth uh, in the first grade. And I realized we need to be in a church. And I haven't been in a church since I got married. But my husband won't come because he's Mormon. He went to bring him young. And he's a Delta pilot. And this was in Fayette County. And so she came for several weeks. And Kay said, okay, we're going to plan a party around reaching Scott. And so what's well, Scott? Well, he's a pilot. Well, in Fayette County, you can find a lot of pilots. So that was easier. But we had pilots in the group. Um, he liked to play golf. Well, there's a lot of golfers there. I don't play golf. I used to. I have arthritis in my hands. I reach the point where the club goes further than the ball. It's time to quit before he kills somebody. <laughs> can't have the grip uh, on that. And uh, uh, they, he played the trombone, actually, at Brigham Young University. So we didn't have any music people, really, in our group. So we got the orchestra director, Larry Mayo, to come to the party. And everyone said, don't say it's New Hope. We're just having a party with some friends that Julianne's met. So everybody's having fun, and everybody knew Scott was the one they were trying to make connections with. So Larry gets to talking to him about, you, you know, when you go to school, I went to bring him in. Oh, they got great music program there. Yeah, I played in the orchestra. Oh, awesome. He said, well, I'm the orchestra director at New Hope Baptist Church. <laughs> kind of blew what we were trying to do then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I saw it happening, and I could see Scott. Mm-hmm. But Larry just kept on going. He said, hey, our group meets about 30 minutes. Our horn guys, about 30 minutes before rehearsal. And we just play ragtime and some fun stuff. Got our lips. You're welcome to come to that 30-minute session if you want. It's just fine. Scott said, I might like to do that. I don't play my horn much anymore. Larry followed up with a call. Scott came on Wednesday night. Goes in, opens his trombone. He's in there. They're just playing all this fun ragtime jazz stuff you would think were you know, in New Orleans. Uh, but that's how they were kind of warmed up, and those guys all had fun. Mm-hmm. Then they would go into rehearsing what they were going to do for the church. So first two or three weeks he came, he would close up his instrument after a minute and go home. Well, then one week he stayed, went through the whole rehearsal. Two weeks later, Larry called him, Scott, I got a problem. I've got three trombonists out this week. We're doing this song, Crown Him with Many Crowns. And that really wasn't planned, but Larry knew that Scott would know that song, because <laughs> that's a big one they do with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. He said, I really need a good trombonist for this. Could you help me out Sunday morning? Yeah, Larry. Larry didn't invite him to New Hope Baptist Church. He invited him to come help him out. So he came. Larry forgot to tell him that the orchestra's in a pit and when the service starts you can't get out of the pit. Uh, <laughs> you're kind of trapped in there at that time. That's how it was then before they, they renovated so he was kind of trapped. And he had to listen to Ike Rockert who's very evangelistic, preach. But it was the first time he'd ever been in an evangelical worship service. He came several times. He became a regular part of just playing. That year, Ike was president of the Georgia Baptist Convention. It was down in Savannah, so our choir orchestra got to go. Scott signed up to go. There are no evangelistic messages preached at the Georgia Baptist Convention. (laughs) They're supposed to already be Christians, kind of, you know, the dear, strong leaders that go to the state convention meeting. It's doctoral sermons and missionary sermons and all these reports and great praise times. And somehow or another in all that, Scott got saved. And Ike said, 
I preach salvation every week. He goes to the state convention and gets saved in a mission message. God works amazingly. How did they get Scott to that, to the day that I actually baptized him? Because a group said, we're going to plan a party around reaching Scott. They weren't trying to reach the whole community. They planned a whole party around reaching one person. Wow. Sometimes you plan a party and you might have two or three that have a common interest. You focus on doing socials around reaching unchurched people. If your church is one where Sunday school classes or life groups or whatever you call your groups gets together and says, well, you know, we're, we're, we need to have a fellowship. Who are you going to invite? Well, our class. Why? Why? Y'all going to heaven. Why do y'all need to get together at fellowship? You got eternity to do that. You can have fun with unchurched people there. It changes your whole concept of connecting through fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need to connect with people in your church because you got people in your church that are hurting, that need encouragement, that need loving. I'm just saying, let's, let's have an evangelistic thought to this too, okay? So, look, look on down under this big idea. Uh, this is a quote from Rick Warren of Saddleback Church. Brilliant guy. His purpose-driven church had gone around the world, that book, uh, he was one of the first people I met my first day of class at Southwestern Seminary. He was sitting beside me. He said, hi, I'm Rick from California. I said, I'm Barry from Georgia. We're on the opposite sides of the country. He said, my wife's name is Kay. I said, my wife's name is Kay. So we bonded and we became buds after that. We graduated together and he goes off and builds this gigantic church. Remember once he tried to get me to come in the early 80s to join him. I went, ooh, y'all going to fall off in the ocean someday. I'm not coming out there. <laughs> I'm at Dunwoody Baptist Church. We're in a building program. I just had a baby. No, no, no. I'm not coming out there. Well, probably, I don't need to pray about it, Rick. I know I'm supposed to be at Dunwoody Baptist. Fast forward 15 years. <laughs> Saddleback's now a huge church. He and I ran into each other at the Orlando at the Southern Baptist Convention. We decided to have lunch. He said, you remember when I called and asked you to be my minister of discipleship and you said you wouldn't even pray about it? I said, yep. It said, you told me we were going to fall in the ocean. I said, well, I still think you are. <laughs> he said, well, since I now run about 18,000 people, what do you think? I said, well, you better be glad I didn't come or you'd be running, you know, 18, 2,000 in Sunday school because that's, that's what I've done at, Dun at New Hope Baptist. I don't know how to do what you're doing with 15,000 people. So I have a box, think outside the box. You don't even have a box. We need to read people that do things differently than we do to stretch our thinking. Okay, his quote here. You have to spend time with people, a lot of time, to build deep relationships. This is why fellowship is so shallow in many churches. We don't spend enough time together. And the time we do spend together is usually listening to one person speak, which is what y'all are doing in this room. They only give me an hour and 15 minutes and they give me a topic that's a mile wide. We've got to spend time with people. Here's the thing. I don't think you can make leaders in a massive group. I know there are leadership classes, and I've taught some leadership classes. I've been a professor. At, uh, an adjunct professor at a seminary means you teach like one class a semester. You're kind of a part-time uh, person. And, I, you know, I taught church leadership. It's hard to teach 25 students, even though you've got them, you know, for several hours for a semester. Leadership has to be done in a way where you look people in the eye and you model it. How many people did Jesus teach leadership to? Twelve. There's nothing on the Sermon on the Mount or any of those messages about leadership. 
He never addressed leadership with large groups. Always small groups were one-on-one. Jesus never sent his disciples to do anything by themselves. Always in at least two or three. Or a group. He's God. And he could only invest in 12 people. And they didn't all turn out real well, did they? Even the ones we hold as heroes like Peter. Boy, he blew it a lot. I love reading Peter. It gives me hope not to quit and run away. You want to make fellowship and connect with people, you do it in small groups. Here's what I personally do. I pick one or two people, and I say for the next two months, I'm going to really work on relationships with these one or two people. I've only got so much time. But we're going to have breakfast, we're going to have lunch, I'm going to text them, I'm going to call them on the spur of the moment. Find out what their schedule is. They're in Atlanta, you know, you know when going to work, you got time to talk to them in a car. You know, they're, they're there. So find out when they're commuting. Call, chat. You'll find out a lot about their language and so they're driving in traffic and <laughs> so they get frustrated. But you, you build a relationship. You show you care. You have people over to your house. Or you meet at a restaurant, have coffee. Uh, Al Mead, who's one of the staff members at New Hope, taught me a lot about cross-cultural <coughs> relationship building over meals. Uh, I was in a small group of young dads I was discipling. Where I, I, I do a men's group of young dads, meet once a month for nine months, but we meet for three hours at the church, uninterrupted. Trying to help them be a good dad. That's how I get them. But to make, be a good dad, I first guy can get them to be a good husband. I don't talk about it, because young guys won't sign up to be a good husband. They'll sign up to be a good dad. Okay, so it's just a matter what your bait you're using, you catch them, you got them. So uh, Al was in my group, and uh, and Al's an African American guy. If you don't uh, know him, and he's an Olympic gold medal winner. He jumped 16 feet in the long jump in Seoul, Korea, with one leg. His missus left leg from below the hip. He's another reason I quit playing golf. It's bad to be beat by one-legged man on a golf course. It's really humiliating. Uh, and he's an awesome athlete. And uh, uh, I was impressed. We were looking for a new minister and recreation. And Al at the time was working for a company that found minorities for Fortune 500 companies. He was just a connecting networker. I knew he wasn't really happy with that. I said, Al, how about you come and join our staff as Minister of Recreation? What? I said, what do you mean? You're an athlete. You're a gold medal. Why do you mean you don't know anything about recreation? He said, well, I think I could. So one thing led to another. We prayed about five, six months, and he joined the staff and built a huge ministry over there. But when Al came on board, now he and Shelly are really good friends of ours, and um, I came on board, I said, hey, Al, I need your help. I'm a white man. I've never been a black man. I don't know how a black man thinks. <laughs> now, we've been working. We have worked hard for six or seven years to get our church cross-cultural at New Hope because we would have African-American families visit and not join. It really bothered me. We brought in Crawford Loritz, who headed up Legacy, the black minister of Campus Crusade for years to study us. And he said we were too white. I said, I am not paying you an honorarium for that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> he laughed and said, well, we're going to have to work on a little diversity. Said, That's the reason we paid you as a consultant to help us. And he said, you got to break that through. You got to get some, some people to join. Someone's got to open the door. The first couple that joined, I was so excited. Claude and Tanya, wonderful folks. Uh, she was a doctor at the Infectious Disease Control Center. They joined. She was pregnant. 
with her first child at age 40. She was so excited. We met with Claude and Tanya, had them in our home for dinner. Tanya went into labor when the baby was only six months. I get a call. I get to Piedmont Hospital. Things were happening fast. They weren't sure what was going on, but somehow, rather than hearing pastor, they thought it was husband. So I get there, she grabbed my arm, she won't let go. Next thing I know, it's a mask and boop, and the baby, boom. It happened fast. Premies come, just like that, you know? And she's still gripping my arm tight, and the nurses are trying to deal with this little baby, it's a pound. And one of the nurses said, well, Dad, you've got a little girl. I said, I'm her pastor. What? <laughs> so, uh... I called my wife in a little bit and said, well, I've just been involved in another birth. She said, what? <laughs> so uh, uh, it was a you know, crucial time. Not sure if it's going to make it an hour, then seven hours, to 11 hours, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, she enters medical college at Morehouse this fall. I'm Daddy Barry. Uh, is how she has been raised. Uh, she has grown up calling me things. She and her mom came to my mom's funeral last weekend. Uh, and uh, when she was at, in college, her sophomore year, she said, Daddy Barry, I've got some friends I want to meet you. I went, okay. So Ken and I drove over on Saturday. She's there. She's got her three friends. And her three friends are going. <laughs> <laughs> and then she realized, she'd been talking about Daddy Barry. They just presumed I was a black man. <laughs> so they were real surprised that I wasn't. Uh, and, uh, and we talked about it. So I thought, oh, great. This is cross-cultural education for these college students here and all this, this stuff. So that was experts. And then Alan Shelley Mead were the second black couple that joined you. And so he's now on our staff. And I asked him, I said, Al, I, I don't know how to be a black man. Teach me. He went, okay. I'll <coughs> he said, you teach me how to be a white man. I went, okay. We'll work on that. Mm-hmm. Well, he hurt my feelings. Three weeks later, he came into my office and said, you offend people by the way you greet. <laughs> what? He said, you ask people when you meet them, hey, where do you live? What do you do? I went, yeah. He said, you're, you're, you're trying to see if people live in the right neighborhood. Or, oh, that is stupid. He said, no, it's not. Yeah. I went, I, now, Al, I'm paranoid. I have no idea what to say to anybody that's not white. I see. <laughs> we got Asian families, we got black families. I, I don't know what to say. You have to give me a script. <laughs> give me a script. Let me get something to start with. And so he did. And he said, those are good questions, but not at the beginning. They shouldn't be your first two. Your first questions, I'd be, had you hear about the church? Okay. And he said, a lot of them are going to say, well, I heard you had a recreation ministry. Code meaning, you have a black minister leading your recreation ministry. I went, what? <laughs> he taught me a lot. Started doing that. And here's what I found. And, and from my African-American brothers and sisters here, tell me if you think this is right. What I found was, when I said, oh, do you know Alan and Shelley Mead? And they'll normally say, well, I've heard of them. Say, oh, they're great friends. They and the girls were over last week and we had pizza at our house. Everything changed. I've had black men who I just met two minutes before suddenly hug me. I said, when you break bread with somebody, they know you're accepted. I thought, wow. And then I said, you know, it's kind of biblical, Barry. They broke bread and that. So, oh, yeah, if I'd read the Bible, I'd know some things. Uh, but it changed how I looked at cross-cultural situations. We have to learn we're different. I was in the eighth grade when Douglas County School System integrated. It was illegal for me to go to school with black students before that. Now I work at a church that's primarily millennials. 
Our median age is 34. We have 26 staff members. It's a large church. 20 of them are under the age of 35. I could be the daddy to most of my staff. And they're great. If you're up in the fellowship hall uh, this afternoon sometime, there's, there's a booth there called the Shift Conference. Uh, and I'll give you a card before we lift. Our church is doing that. It's how you shift your church into a different year because Midway is 170 years old and it went from running uh, 250 23 years ago. Grew up to 600, but they were just reaching another Baptist, not reaching on church. Made some major shifts, dropped down to 400 in two months. <laughs> That's tough church growth that way. And then took off, and now we run right at 2,000. And we're going to this major conference, and we got Tom Rainer speaking, and we've got Tim Elmore speaking, and our pastor's going to be speaking. We'll have some breakouts and stuff going on. And if you, uh, when I give you a card in a little bit, matter of fact, just hand those out while I'm talking, Keith. Uh, this is just a commercial I'm throwing in because I worked this out. Uh, if you'll write that code number down on the board, that's G-O-G-A-10. If you will, when you go online to register, if you put that code, you get a 10% discount. Okay, so anyway, th that's the end of my commercial. But if you go by their booth up there, they've got more information, some videos and stuff that you'll see. But there's three really sharp staff members of our church. These are godly young men. The oldest one's 35. I enjoy working with them. So if you go by up there and say, I was in Barry's conference and he was outstanding. <laughs> Getting with you. Uh, but I'd love for you to go meet, meet those folks. When we're trying to connect in fellowship, we got to realize who we're trying to connect with. And if you're trying to connect with someone that's from a different background than yours, you got to learn to do it. And it's not just racial or economic. It can be part of the country. You ever tried, do we have any Yankees in the room? Okay. <laughs> Am I the only one? No, there's another one over here. All right. When you first moved south, was it strange? It was. Yeah, I've been to New York. I'm not even sure that ought to be a part of the United States. That's a different culture up there. Those, those people never go to sleep. Oh, I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker, okay. See, see I'm a Georgia peach. Yeah. Born and bred right here in, well, in Douglas County. It is. It is. And the same way for the West Coast. So you're trying to reach people in your community that are from a different part of the country. Y'all may be of the same race. Y'all may have gone to the same school. But there's a difference. I married a boy and his girl friend uh, a few years ago. They had met at Georgia Tech. They got married. They got married down here. He's from Montgomery. She, she's from New Jersey. Italian family. Not all the family had met till the... You no, know, rehearsal dinner and all. That was interesting cultural blend. They met in June. I mean, they married in June. That November, they drove up to New Jersey for Thanksgiving. This boy, Dennis, he's just dumb boy from Montgomery. Just, just dumb. Because he sits down at this big Italian meal and says, where's the turkey? <laughs> they don't do turkey, apparently. Though. It's all these lasagnas, casseroles, all this great stuff. They want to roast a turkey. And this boy was stupid because he asked it twice. <laughs> well, he managed to offend his wife, her sisters, her aunts, and her mother, and her grandmother all at one time. So much so, they had gone for the weekend. They left Friday morning. Because her mother said, you can take that boy and go home. <laughs> so they fussed in a car from New Jersey to Atlanta. I get a call Saturday on their way in and say, can you meet us tonight? No, I'm, I can't. He told me what? I'll say, I'll meet you after church tomorrow. So they come in and they're both like this. And I said, what were you thinking? Well, everybody knows you have turkey at Thanksgiving. 
Not everybody does turkey at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so we, we had to ask, Dennis, if I were to call your mama right now and tell her what you did, what would she say? She said, well, she'd probably bend me over her knee and spank me for being rude. I went, yeah, you were wrong. You entered another culture with an expectation of your tradition. You could have had a wonderful time. Instead, you got everybody in that family hating you and thinking she's retarded because she married you. So how's it going? How are you going to fix it? I don't know. I turned to her. She said, flowers. Expensive flowers and handwritten notes. Boy told me later it cost him $2,000 in flowers to go to all the people. They forgave him. I use that in my pre-marriage counseling now. Don't be stupid and do dumb things when you go into a different family culture. Learn. Well, we got to do that with the church. Amen. You're trying to reach somebody. Don't call it a fellowship if it's a party because they don't know what it is. We don't tell people what to do. Either, you know, uh, let's stand. Why? Well, we're going to sing. Why? You sing, except for that song, you stand for this song. That could really confuse these people. You know, we make our services so that it's hard for the unchurched to know what's going on if they've never been to church before. You know, I remember once in a college student at True McConnell, we got a few of us got to visiting church that were having dinner on the grounds in the fall. They find out they had four or five ministerial students. They'd always feed us well. One day we were in Hawassi. There's a little church, about 70 people. They were singing well. That guy reached in a box and brought out a snake, and we were in the car. <laughs> we had entered a different culture, and we didn't want to stay, so we were gone. So that kind of ended our crashing church <laughs> uh, homecoming dinners. Let's look down here. Some key principles. I'm not going to talk about them all. I'm going to highlight the ones I want to talk about. Share Jesus' dream of finding a shepherd for every sheep. Every sheep. You've got to have someone that's concerned about all your sheep in your church. We're going to kind of move from the outreach aspect of it to people in your church that need loving on. You may have people that do various work. Maybe you're ushers. It's kind of a thankless job. They hand out bulletins. They tell people to move over. You're in that lady's seat. They know whatever. They are. <laughs> you know, they're trying to help people find seats. They're telling people where the bathrooms are. They're trying to help people find where their kids should go. You ever get your ushers together and just have a hamburger meal? Just laugh and talk. And when you're there, you talk about some other things. We're so glad you're ushers. Make sure you have breath mints in your pocket every Sunday morning. <laughs> and practice smiling. Okay, So you, you train, but you do it in a fun setting. Now, choirs have parties. Classes have parties. But you got groups that are doing service projects, and sometimes they just need a party. It's also a good time to invite one or two new people to something that you think might be an usher or whatever. You, you have to look at saying, okay, here's a target group I'm going to work on and help them grow. How many of your staff members? One, two, three, four. Okay. You guys close your ears. Your pastors and staff members need parties where they're not leading Mm -hmm. My, I love to go to a party a group's doing because they'll say uh, hey would you return grace no I'm off duty <laughs> I, I say, I'll be glad to pray but I like to just shake them up a little bit why should I have to do the prayer at the meal yes. okay maybe they just think it's going to be short so they need I don't know what it, what it is but minister to your leaders and fun without making them work let them just let their hair down and laugh and talk and be a part of everything. Okay. 
they, they would like that. They'll be blessed by that. Number two, be aware of what people are looking for. Now, this is key. I'd like for you to circle this one, put a star by it, whatever. These, this is key. You want to plan how to connect people. You have to do it this way. People have a need, and it's to know and be known. They want to know who's there. The reason is you were coming in, I was working real hard to meet all of you. To look at your name tag, say your name, find out where you were from. I want to know people. When you say someone's name, you have given value to that person. When you look them in the eye, you value the fact you came in after I did. You weren't here a while ago. What is your name? Phil. Phil. Phil and Phil. Are y'all twins? <laughs> <laughs> you slid in on me after I got to this part of the room a while ago. There. We different mothers. Different mothers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Who both like the same name. Okay. People want to be, they want to know people and they want to be known. Meet people, say their name. Now, sometimes in church, you'll have people say, well, I'm afraid to introduce myself. Somebody might have been here for 50 years and they'll be offended. No, here's how you do it. Hi, I'm Barry. What's your name? How long have you been coming to Midway Church? We teach out, we practice this in worship service at least once a month. Yes, we're glad you're here today. We're teaching our people right now and you can participate with us if you'd like. When you're meeting someone, ask, how long have you been coming to Midway Church? Well, that means the old-time member, they love to tell you, I've been coming here since I was a baby, and I'm 99 years old. <laughs> You've allowed them to tell their story, and you will never forget it, because they were born there. Or, I've been coming for three months, or today's my first day. Wow. Now, at our church, when you come, if you're a guest, we got big signs, come to this parking lot, turn your flashers on, somebody's going to open your car door, say hello, you got kids, all that, got a little tin out there, we're going to give you this bright bag. It's gaudy. Ugly, so bright. It's so the rest of the church knows that's a new person. Be nice. Go to them. Say hello. Greet them. We're just putting a big neon sign on guests. They think they're carrying all around this neat stuff we've given them. It's really is to let our people know this is someone we need to meet. But you got to train your people because they're not they're not smart enough to put that together. Okay. So you got to train them. Okay, it's a big bright bag. means it's a new person. means who's to go say hello? You are. Yes. Yeah, okay. You train people how to do that. All right. The second one. People have a need to love and be loved. Love and to be loved. There are a lot of people. No one touches them the whole week. They're alone. Do you need a pen? Oh, I'm sorry. I need a pen, everybody. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I flow real, real easy with things. Uh, anybody else need a pen? I got Should have asked when I started. My, my fault. I should have made sure everyone had one. Okay, to love and be loved. You say, well, that person's kind of weird. We got tons of weird people at Midway. Half of them are on staff, but they're, they're, <laughs> no, they're, they're, loving, no, they're people that need to be loved. So we got to love them. I'm a toucher. Now, you have to be careful. The world has changed. I can't do pastoral hugs the way I used to do pastoral hugs. To men or women, it's a weird world. You know, I'm paranoid at times about saying things and all that. But I'm going to touch people. When I talk to you, whoever you are, I'm going to get your hand in some way. I won't touch you. A double handshake says, I really like you. And I've connected with your eyes. That is safe. So far, nobody's gotten offended gender-wise without greeting. All right, now give it time. Our society may corrupt that. But people need to be touched. And some people need to be hugged. Never hug from the front. 
Hug from the side. Yes. You say, well, that's so elementary. No, we got stupid people in the church and they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You hug from the side. That is safe. Most people. And people will let you know if they want to be touched or not. Mm-hmm. You know, you just be sensitive. Pray God will let you be discerning. But if someone's needing a hug, hug them. Especially your widows and widowers. Especially your divorcees. They need a hug. They're hurt. They're lonely. They need someone to affirm them. If they share a prayer request, this is this was a different conference, but this is important. If they share a prayer request, do not say, I'll pray for you this week and walk away. You stop right then. I don't care if you're about to pop to go to the bathroom. You stop right then and you pray with them. And again, this is something I shared yesterday, but if you're trying to pray with somebody in the hallway and you've got lots of people, they will interrupt you until you touch them. When, 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 if I've got Sam's hand here and we're talking, well, Gary's not going to interrupt. Otherwise, Gary may be wanting to come tell me that there's no toilet paper in the men's restroom or something that's really important there. But if I've got your hand, that says, it's, 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 don't, don't come. And you pray with them right then about whatever it is. It only takes 45 seconds. But oh, that person knows you're not just saying you're going to pray. You've done it. And more than likely, the Holy Spirit will remind you of that that week. Amen. So you'll remember to pray for them. And if you're really sensitive and smart, you'll try and get their phone number or whatever, and you'll send them a text. I love texting. Calls can take a long time. And a lot of people won't answer. I won't answer. If you call me and I don't already have you in my voicemail, I, I don't answer numbers because it's, we're trying to sell you this or that or, you know, whatever. Uh, so you have to leave a voicemail message for me to return a call. Uh, as, again, our society's done some weird things to us. Third one, people have a need to serve and be served. They want to get involved. Find things for people to do. Find things for people to do. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, let them do what you do. Ask someone to come hang out with you. Ask somebody to, you know, do something. Say, you know, go up to Todd. Todd, I know you read at the story of Sunday. I'm trying to help someone over here. I'd like for them to work with you and help great watch you how you do it. And in two weeks, I want you to not be here. Come to church, but I want you to tell us, look, I've got another responsibility. Can you handle this door for me? And you can come back later, Todd. But we're just training, training. You can do leadership training and connecting people. Oh, that person, I got to stand at the door. I stood at Todd's door. <laughs> I, he trusted me to open the door and say hello and hand out a bulletin. Well, he served. That's connecting. And then they think Todd's pretty neat. Todd, Todd trusted me. Think of all the ways you can do that in church. Quit doing everything yourself. Get other people to do some stuff. If you're a class leader, do not think you're responsible for everything. Have someone assigned at the door. You came in. Keith was at the door. By the way, he's a, he's a great educator. You've been at Harps Crossing how long? 35. 35 years on staff. He needs a medal. <laughs> but you got a lot of staff been there for a long time. What's man? Y'all can't get another job? <laughs> <laughs> Harps Crossing is a great church. I have a lot of friends in that church. 35 years of investing, but they have given up roles. They have expanded. They've let their church grow. They've given things to other people. Uh, he's a great resource to ask if you live in that part of the, the state and want someone to talk to sometime about things. To celebrate and be celebrated. They want to come worship Jesus too. That's the reason they're coming. Or maybe they just want to celebrate the fact that 
they're there and it's cool in your building and their air conditions out. You know, they want to celebrate something. And, uh, and they want to be celebrated. I love to find out leaders' birthdays. I, I, I write a handwritten note to every Bible study leader, preschool through adults, uh, on their birthday. It's got a funny cartoon of me on it, and uh, I like it because I'm slim in it because I did a long time ago. But uh, uh, it, just a handwritten note. Praying for you as you invest in others at Midway Church. Love, Pastor Barry. Oh, I get so many calls from that. I do them every morning. 8 to about 8.20, that's kind of what I'm looking at. The ones that will be coming up the next four or five days. Prepare all their addresses once a month. For the next month, write a little number up in the upper right-hand corner where the stamp's going to go. That way I know their birthday's on the 17th. So by the 14th, I need to be putting that in the mail. It just requires discipline. You say, well, I'm not sure I could do that. Well, don't do it unless you're going to do it. Okay? You make a commitment to do it or don't. But you do it for two months and stop, you're in a lot of trouble. He liked them. They got a car. I didn't get a car. It's my birthday. That's people. You know, you want to know how adults act? Just study middle schoolers. Because adults act like middle schoolers when it comes to friends and cliques and feeling left out. For some reason, we just don't outgrow that. To, be, to give and to be given. They, they want to give something. They may not have a lot. They may only have time. They may not have any money. To admonish and to be admonished. Those are basic needs people have. That's what they're looking for. So I'll flip over to the next page. And I'm not sitting because I'm lazy, but I'm, I'm waiting knee replacement surgery. So I can't stand as long as I used to. Question uh, number, do I fit here? That's what guests are asking. It's also people in your class that have been coming for a long time, but maybe they don't feel like I'm really connecting. Are they in your class and they hear some in your class are planning to go out to lunch Sunday and nobody says you want to come? Woo! You offend people. Always give them, hey, it's a Dutch trip, you want to go to lunch? No, we're going to wherever, McDonald's, Burger King. We're not going to Chick-fil-A because they're closed. But no, wherever we're going to go, you're welcome to come. If they don't want to come, it's a Dutch trip. But if they don't want to come, they just say, well, no, thank you. But you have invited them. So that may mean they saved their quarters and dollars. So next time, mm -hmm. they're going to have $6 in their pot and they're going to go. Don't let a group plan something in the group that others are talking about that somebody's going to feel left out from. Call that down. Say, no, 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 no. What we talk about in here is for everybody. If y'all want to just have something else, you call each other during the week. Here, everyone's involved. Does anybody want to know me? Does anybody in this church want to know who I am? This is a question of friendship. The next one, am I needed? It's a question of value. What's the advantage of joining this group? This is a question of benefit. What am I going to get out of being here? Am I going to make a friend? I've been coming for six months. Nobody talks to me. Someone comes in your group. You go to church. You see them sitting by yourself, by themselves. You go over there. But I say, here, this is my pew. No, not today. <laughs> You go sit with it. But this is my, I don't care. You go over here. Five or six of you do it, you'll blow your pastor's mind. What's going on? They're all moving in different spots. <laughs> but move around. My pastor uh, jokes when he said, you and Kane never sit in the same part of the room. I said, we're meeting different people. It's a big room. 
He said, but I, you know, everybody else kind of has, I said, I don't like that. I love to go where there's a group of people that normally sit and I, because as one of the pastors, they're not going to ask me to move. I love to bust up their little clique. Thinking they got to sit where they're supposed to, you know, where they think they're supposed to sit. So that's one reason I move around. There's a 12 year old part of me that just gets control of me at times. I just want to bust things up. <clears throat> but it helps them just move around. But if you've got someone in your group, make sure they're not sitting alone in worship, especially when they're new. And get over there and help them meet people. I think churches ought to have greeters in the pews, section leaders. They got five pews. You're responsible. Anybody that sits in these five pews, you're to introduce them all on Sunday morning. You'll get to know that people. That group, you become a shepherd to that group. People know you're going to be greeted. And now don't get territorial if they move to another group. Say, hey, you can't sit over there. This is my section. You got to come over here. You know, you, you don't want to uh, offend, but you want to do everything you can to make connections with people. Uh, what's the advantage of joining this group? Do you articulate that in your class? What's the value of being a part of this group? Well, I've just always done it. Well, that's not a real value. That's called habit. You really want to have a, what's the value? What, what comes out of being a part of here? Why'd you come into this group today with me? That's a question. I'll answer. I want to be able to move our church from doing fellowship for fellowship and fellowship with a purpose. Very good. Super. That's kind of what we're, it's about. All right, look at the next one. What do you want from me? It's a question of expectation. When you people come in, or you got someone that's kind of there but not plugged in, you start letting them know, hey, you know, here's what I expect. I expect you to come in and participate with our discussion. I've got another thing I want to hand out. Would you give everybody one of these? Uh, this is... Uh, something we do at our church to train your class members how to be friendly and how to participate and if you got problem people how to for the class to be empowered to deal with the problem and you not have to deal with it as a teacher we call them ground rules for a healthy life group now in our church we push for leaders at least twice a month to hand out these cards collect them at the end put them in a room we, you know, two more weeks we do it again and we expect them to go through these ground rules. Now, it's not a ball or anything. Of don't fix, try to hit. And we'll say, okay, let's go through these. And I'll say, okay, we're going to start in this side of the room. Uh, Y'all going to do one, and then I'm going to flip over here. Somebody here's got to do the next one, and then over here. And so everybody's had to pay attention because you don't know who I'm going to point to. You know, or it could be I have someone ahead of time say, uh, I want you to do the first three. I want you to do the next three. I want you to do the last four. And you go over, and let's just highlight it. I'm not going to read the paragraphs. Don't fix. You are not to fix people, and people in your room are not to fix people. You got folks that think someone has let me tell you about it. <clears throat> let me tell you what to do. They ain't come there for somebody to fix them. No, nothing worse than to, as I got told, he says, nothing worse than to be a smoker and get around someone who just quit smoking. Because they think they know how to do it for everybody. And they're thinking, I'm just struggling trying to quit smoking. I don't need your great story of how you quit smoking. Well, smoking was never my, my thing. My, my dad did teach me when I was eight to take a big puff out of a cigar. <laughs> that ended my smoking career right there. I've never been so sick in my life. Okay, but, but don't fix. Listen. 
Listen, listen. How many of you are Bible study leaders in a group? Well, okay. You violate this all the time. Now, I've never heard you teach. Listen. Don't be thinking about the next thing you're going to say. Listen when someone's talking. God may be speaking to that. Pause. It's okay to be quiet. When you're quiet, the Holy Spirit's talking. Don't interrupt him. You've said something significant biblically. Let him chew on it for a moment. Pause. Silence. Kind of like pause, but it's a little different in that silence creates tension within the group because everybody's going. And they can't stand it. <laughs> and someone will then speak up. Perhaps no one that you that doesn't normally speak up. No crosstalk. I hate this in adult groups. Oh, no. Well, we're taking a great lesson over here, and and Phil and Phil are having a side conversation about the Georgia game. Well, I don't have to. Hey guys, let's let's stay in here. My group has been so trained in this. We met, you know, somebody over here. Phil, uh, Phil over here says, "Hey, you two, Phil. That's crosstalk. Ha ha ha! Everybody laughs." Well, these two fields, oh, oh, yeah, the Georgia game doesn't belong here right now. I didn't have to reprimand the group. The group took care of it itself. Uh, don't rescue. If someone's hurting, just let them talk it out for a moment. You can't sob it in your class. You are not a professional licensed therapist. And don't let anybody in your group start trying to give their, you know, Dr. Phil psychology in your room either or Oprah's psychology, or wherever, you know, whoever someone listens to, you're not going to solve a major heartbreaking situation in that class right then. That's an outside class conversation. Use I statements when you can, rather than uh, we. We says, I'm representing all of us. Well, you may not be. You may not be. I realize some of you just do not know better, and you, you're an, an, an Alabama fan. You just don't know better than that. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> joking uh, but we, you're not talking on behalf of your church or your class you're talking about you so talk about I because when you say you or we they're thinking oh, it's not me I must not fit okay be self-aware and think beyond think beyond is who needs to be in this room now the reason we print it up is because we want everybody in the class to know what we want leaders to do so we use this as a way twice a month to teach it doesn't take you three minutes to run through this. And on the back, it's uh, why I have a healthy life group. So uh, it has totally changed the DNA of our life groups at Midway uh, because it's now just not the leader trying to facilitate. We have 31 life groups on campus and uh, 41 or 42 life groups off campus that meet during the week in homes and all. And so this is the way we manage them. Okay, let's go back to this other. Number four, creative... Uh, create effective ways for people to get connected. Now you want to pray for the Lord of the Harvest, of course. You want to do personal invitations to invite someone to a party or to, to your class or to whatever. And parties don't have to be elaborate situations. If you got some people that really like to decorate and plan, say, well, that's good. Give them that. I'm big on, uh, hey, my wife and I are going to go to lunch after church today. Anybody wants to go, we're headed to this restaurant. Anybody want to join us? I'm not paying for theirs. They're paying for theirs. But I'm going to eat lunch somewhere. My wife taught me early in our marriage. She said, if you expect me to be there early and work all day, I'm not cooking lunch. 
I said, yes, ma'am. So we, we go out because she's exhausted after Sunday morning too. We both get there about 7.30. We don't get out of there until about 12.40 because of the mobile services and all that we've got going. She's ready to be served. Uh, and others can go and we can have a delightful conversation. Group parties, well, they're fun. But get people to like to do parties. Like to plan. I like to go, but not plan them. Get people to like to plan them. Get them to do it. Follow up on prospects, especially hot prospects. Don't say, oh, someone came to my class. They came one Sunday. It was about three months ago. Well, they're not hot anymore. What day of the week do you think you should be in contact with someone who visits your class on a Sunday morning? Same day or no later than Monday. Thursday and Friday, they kind of forgot what you're talking about. Jim Henry, who pastored the great Orlando First Baptist Church for you know, ever until he retired, he had a practice. When he walked out the door, he was given a stack of all the guest cards. First time guest cards. He took them home with him. After lunch, Jim would go to bed, prop up on his pillows, put his phone on his lap. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. That's a huge church. I understand he'd spend an hour at it at times. Short conversation. Just glad you came. You not think that impressed people? I tried it one Sunday. I made three calls and fell asleep on the bed. Uh, I realized, okay, the bed is not going to be my place to do that. I get in a reclining position and I start snoring. So I said, okay, I've got to set up in a chair. So everybody's different. You had to find a fork for you. See, it was great for Pastor Jim. It didn't work for Barry. Uh, so uh, you have to decide what works for you and, and how you can do that. Uh, simulate new members in your group. Uh, use existing service teams to, to have a party, such as uh, I was talking a while ago, ushers or your parking team or your finance committee or your personnel committee or team, whatever you call them. Uh, do something. And maybe in your class, to do this. Say, okay, our class wants to do a cookout. <laughs> Invite all the people that usher or do the parking lot. We just want to, whether they come to our class or their arts group or not, we want to serve you and just say, thank you for serving. Wow. Or our adult group, we want to have a party and we want to invite all the preschool teachers to come. And we just want to love on you for working with those preschoolers. Our middle schoolers, they really need help. Preschoolers at least love you and hug you. You know, middle schoolers, they got attitude. It takes a special calling to work with middle schoolers. I was a youth pastor 10 years. I understand. It takes a special calling to work with middle schoolers. Because some of them are still little kids and some of them are in adolescence. So it's a wide range there. But do something for those workers. Or whatever your glasses can handle. Say, okay, well, there's too many of them. Well, then do a party just for the, your birth through two-year-olds. And maybe next quarter you do it for your three and four-year-olds. That gives your group a purpose to plan a party to socialize with people in your church that are serving. Wow. Think about that. Okay. Transitions are strategic times to help people connect. Positive. Someone gets baptized. Well, they need to be followed up with. Love don't. Celebrated. Births, weddings. They're new to the community. We celebrate a birth of someone. We celebrate a wedding. But we tend to do it one time. Eh, especially those birthing parents. Oh, 
Now that baby's there. It's cute and cuddly. Two or three weeks, it's stinking. You know, it's, it's poop is no longer as cute as it once was. You know, they're getting up at two and three in the morning is wearing on them. Celebrate new birth with parents. Even afterwards, you say, hey, thinking about you today. Everything going okay? Well, hey, could, can I come over and bring a dinner? No. I had a, when, when he said today that he had two sets of twins, I thought, oh, my goodness. That's the reason God is making him do repentance for his earlier life, right? <laughs> and his poor wife just got caught up in two sets of twins? I, I can't comprehend that. And, the, you know, I'm thinking, how many diapers did they change? So, but we want to celebrate good times with people and celebrate with them and, and do loving things to them. It might be for a new mom, can I come over and fold towels for you today? Mm -hmm. I had a lady, uh, Linda uh, Copper up in Dunwoody, and uh, she had a five-year-old who fell in a pool. Now, they rescued him, but it left him with cerebral palsy. Uh, and Todd's a quite, a quite a young man. He's in his 30s now. He loves Christmas season. He's at the front door at Perimeter Mall ringing that bell in his wheelchair. No, I don't care how cold it is. Todd Coffer's there ringing that bell. He knows he can do that. But at the time, she had two kids younger than he was. And I remember she wrote an article uh, that was published that said, uh, you know, flowers and meals are nice, but folding towels, dusting and vacuuming, that's a real treasure. Because you had three preschoolers and one on with cerebral palsy. And uh, she told me of a lady in the church that came over one day and said, okay, I I'm okay. I can handle Todd's issues. And I raised five kids of my own. They're all grown. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm here for the next three hours and you're not. Mm. I don't care what you do, but you're not going to be here. I promise. We won't burn your house down. I'm not going to clean it. I'm just going to deal with these three babies. <laughs> But you get three hours, and don't come back until three hours are up. Linda's talking about, oh, I did so much for her. And I, when she told me, she, I said, what would you do? She said, I went and got a yogurt and sat in the parking lot. That's all I did. You want to celebrate? You want to connect with people? You find where someone's hurting, and they're there. You know, when my mom died, two days later, I'm at the office, and suddenly one of my members comes up, and he, uh, he knocked on the door and said, you got a moment? And I'm like, well, sure, come on in. He shut the door. I thought that was strange. Most people don't shut the door. It's my job to shut my door if I want the door shut. And uh, he didn't sit down. He walked around my, where I was and put his hand on and said, one purpose, just want to pray. That was it. He prayed about a two-minute prayer. We hugged. He left. Oh, what that did for my soul. See where people are hurting. See what they're celebrating. Connect with them in that. I will never forget my friend John. I will ask him what motivated him at some point to do it, but I can't do it right now without crying, so I won't... But I want to know, why did he think to do that? Because to my knowledge, he's never been in my office before. We just talk at church. 
let's jump down trend uh, well let's say more into that let's uh well you know about new year's and christmas and all those things they're great times to have parties not not fellowships but parties and invite people invite them to come they're more likely to do it uh turn up the relational temperature of your group like door greeters at the door it's reason in the, all the breakout sessions we all have a host uh, Don Yarborough was with me for my two sessions yesterday. Keith is with me uh, for the two sessions today to be at the door to greet, take care of things. Make sure your class has somebody every Sunday because you're the leader and you might have a member that you're ministering to and five or six others walk in the door and no one spoke to them. So get somebody. Your job is to stand at the door and say hello. Glad you're here. Okay, That's another way of people serving. Phone calls are great. Uh, be alert to new faces. So I don't know that person. You should never say to yourself, I don't know that person. It should be, there's somebody for me to go meet. Different attitude. When you see a face you don't know, whose job is it to go meet that person? Yours. Yours. Well, I'm not on staff. Good. They can't think you're being paid to do it. You're showing genuine concern. 20 years ago, a Filipino couple uh, moved to Lithia Springs, went to the First Baptist Church of Lithia Springs, and the first thing they did was go to a Wednesday night supper. And uh, Vince and Jackie Gomiak and their little five-year-old, J.C., came walking in, not knowing a lot, but they, just, they knew they needed to be a part of a group of believers. And they heard this church had a Wednesday night program. And they came in, they found out there was a meal, they were invited to sit down, and they got their food on their tray, and they're looking, and my mom said, hey, Come over here and sit with me. She had never seen me before. They had never seen her. She gets to know them, finds out they just moved from the Philippines a couple of weeks before. She's talking to a little five-year-old, J.C., and, and she says, Oh, well, tell me about your grandma. My grandmother's in the Philippines, and I won't see her for a long time. And my mom said, Well, I'm your grandmother here. And she became grandmother. And that's all J.C. called her. And at mom's funeral, J.C. and her mom sang. They sang, and they went the uh, Saturday before my mom died and sang the song in my mom's room to her, even though she was not really aware of things. So Saturday when they're doing that, and the mom who's playing the guitar says, we're going to sing in the garden, because Miss Mary loved it. And uh, she was the first person to reach out to us when we came to this church 20 years ago. And... and uh, J.C. has called her grandmother, and we went last Saturday to sing the song to her. And she starts strumming. And J.C.'s looking at her mom going, <laughs> she couldn't sing. So Jackie kept playing and playing and playing and playing until J.C. could get her emotions and then go on. See, my mom connected with this couple 20 years ago. Well, my mom died at 88, so she was 68 when she met them. Bonded, connected, stayed connected for 20 years. Wow. But she was sensitive. She normally sat with her little group of ladies. But she got up from that table and went to the table next so they'd have room. If your church does something, you always sit with the same people. If you do, quit! <laughs> Send somebody, sign up somebody else. Role model for your group. You're not a middle school clique. Okay? And you can talk to people that are different than you are. They could be Young adults. <laughs> Senior adults. Middle-aged adults. They could be a different race. 
Okay? Thank you. All right, now, I've tried to highlight the things I wanted you to leave here with, but you can tell there's more stuff. Because I knew I can cover it all in this session. So, I want you to look at the next pages, though. Uh, the very next page in the dark, just only half page of stuff, but it's in bold because I like it so well. Remember, people are not looking for friendly people. They're looking for friends. They're looking for friends. Flip over beyond that. The aim of a fellowship leader in your group. If you're not a good party planner, find somebody in the group and do it. So, well, none of my group is. Well, go to another group and say, hey, I've got a bunch of duds that don't know how to plan a party. Can you come over and help our group plan a party? <laughs> go to somebody with the gift of hospitality and say, teach us how to do it. <laughs> They'd love to do that. Party planners, I mean, people like to socialize. They love to decorate and do all that kind of stuff and make people feel welcome. So if your group doesn't have anybody, recruit from another group. Okay? Then... There's top 10 ways to provide a quality party. You can read those right there. There's 10 ways. There'll be quality. Next one is, how do I plan a party and not stress everyone out? Ooh, that's a gold mine right there. And then there's party ideas. All sorts of different things there for you. So, uh, that's, that's for you. You want to make your church one that connects people through fellowships. you got to remember, what's their motivation? What's your purpose? And you get all the people that have to do that. Now, you've got the uh, things that we, the guidelines for a, a healthy, a rules for a healthy life group. Uh, Keith gave you the shift conference. That's the co code. You write that on the gold thing so you won't forget it. You get 10% off. Some of you say, that's a lot of money. It's not a quarterly program event. This is pretty cheap because quarterly program pays for most of this event. Midway Church paying for this one. Okay, so anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's there for you. Some people will ask, well, I've got a question I'd like to ask you. Well, here's my card. I use a card that sits up. I do a lot of hospital visiting. I don't put a card that's going to lay flat so the patient can never see it. If I've driven from West Georgia to Emory, I want them to know I was there. <laughs> I want the family to know I was there. So I just use mine as a tent that sits up. So the person in big sees it, family never see it. That's really my motivation with it. But on the back of it is uh, my contact inside uh, number, and inside I got place I write personal notes when I visit. Really hate to drive all the way across Atlanta and somebody be asleep. I have been known to shake the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I want to connect with them if I've driven an hour and a half uh, to be there. Or they're off at a test. So if you want one of my cards, you welcome that. We're through that. We're time out. Okay. All right. Uh, Here's the last thing. Garfield. Being clever can be exhausting. Okay. Don't get stressed out about planning parties. Get people that like to plan parties and do it together. Keith, would you close us for prayer? God, thank you for Barry and his love for you and just continue to minister to him and his loss. Lord, be with each of these and their churches and that they represent. And 
may they go back with new ideas to implement this very next week. And we thank you for all that you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with me.